0: for Ryan Harris, everybody. Thank you, Levin. Nice to be with you, mate. Welcome to the <laughs> show. Ryan, welcome to the Become Your Own Superhero Podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me mate. It's nice to be uh, nice to be talking to you.
0: Well, it's a it's a great opportunity right now to connect with like minded individuals and mm. the opportunity to have you on the show was a very exciting prospect and certainly to some of the people that I've spoken about, but if you were in an elevator and someone had never heard about cricket or come across you and you had 30 seconds, how would you describe Ryan Harris?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, how would you describe myself? Geez, someone who uh, loves having a crack, goes 100 miles an hour and whatever I do, as, uh, as in a bull a gate, um, Respects people, uh, likes people, uh, loves sport, um, and a horrible golfer. Frustrated golfer. Sorry, not a horrible golfer. Frustrated golfer. That'd be probably it.
0: <laughs> I think that's.
1: And, pretty... Oh, he loves a beer. Sorry, loves, loves a beer, a <laughs> It's
0: not a bad. Uh, it's not a bad shout because, from all accounts, from a lot of people that I have uh, long before you and I even got into contact, said that you're mm. an incredibly humble individual. Um, one of the hardest workers that they've ever seen. And and I'm sure this gets brought up a lot and, you know, it's rare, it's rare to come across individuals like that. And I think yeah. now is the platform for you to, to blow off some of that steam and, and, you know, maybe big note yourself tonight. It's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of talking about myself. I can tell you that at big noting, but I can, I can share a few things with you that I think, um, well, i think it'll be beneficial and hopefully for few listeners they can learn a couple of things and um because what you talk about there i, I wasn't always humble i was and i wasn't always hard working um and i had to um i had to learn probably the hard the hard way and when i'm and we can go into that tonight i mean um you know when i was a bit young when i was younger i was you know i, I left school went to england played cricket came back uh, had a season at home virtually earned a contract with south australia and then all of a sudden, I thought I was a superstar. I thought I was a professional cricketer, and um, probably wasted. Uh, learned a lot along the way, but wasted um, probably a little bit of talent for about probably five or four, four or five years, and it nearly crossed my career in the end. So um, I was a bit of a party animal. I didn't mind a drink, didn't mind chasing the skirt, and um, it was affecting my my professional uh, my professional career. And um, it, uh, it took me. It didn't t- probably until um, I actually lost the contract with South Australia that um, um, I lost it, and then regained it within three weeks because someone else had uh, hadn't, hadn't um, or decided not to take one, and they sort of put me back on the list. And I guess the rest is history. I had a coach at the time who we didn't necessarily see eye to eye, who was a very good mate of mine now, and. Um, I looked back then and it was it was um, I thought it was all him at the time but it wasn't it was, it was me and, and not respecting him and so he sat me down and gave me basically the ultimatum and said you know if you want to be a professional cricket you you've got a second chance a lot don't do that a lot, a lot don't get that and um, I guess the way I went I, I, I said no to a few nights out and and got serious about training got strong got fit and managed to gain um a few yards with the ball. Um, went, went from a sweatband swinger to a, a bloke who hit the bat a little bit harder and, and was able to consistently put the ball in the right spot. And I guess the rest is history. So, um, yeah, and when it comes to being humble, I, for me, it wasn't about, you know, playing cricket was ultimately was to try and play for Australia, but it was more about, um, you know, winning stuff for the state at the time, South Australia, and then eventually Queensland, and and then went on to play some test cricket. But, yeah, we can dive into that in a bit of detail. but. Um, I'm always um, very appreciative of the opportunities I've had and the people that have got me along the way. Well, why don't we dive into that, Ryan. Where, mm. where was your rock bottom? Well, that was probably it, to be honest. Um, cricket-wise, I've obviously had some personal tragedies as well, which, which is probably the, the word. I mean, I lost my mum um, 14 years ago this year, and that was pretty. That was probably the, the worst I've had, to be honest. Um, but pr- professionally-wise, cricket-wise, that was probably it. I... You know, as I said, I had a, a coach that uh, at the time I didn't see uh, the positive in it, but he cared about me. He cared a lot about me, and um, you know he was he was a great mate to the, with a with a good mate of mine. i was still very good mates with Darren Lehman, and um, you know Darren was trying his best, and I, he wasn't around a lot, I guess, because he was away playing for Australia a little bit. And but Wayne was always Wayne Phillips was always um, you know he, he's, a, he's a pretty funny guy, Wayne Phillips. For those who've heard, who've heard him talk, he's a pretty pretty good character, and. Um, Yeah, he he was, um, he he treated me, what at the time I thought was pretty harshly, you know, I was injured a bit, I'd go to training, wouldn't put my name on the board, Uh, he'd make me do my stuff outside of sessions, and um, you know, looking back at it, I deserved it, because I didn't respect what he was doing and the the program that we were running, and um, so yeah, when when that opportunity came, um, and and, well, the opportunity I guess was taken away, and then came back, you know, he, he sat me down, and Again, it took me a little bit longer to realise, but um, you know, he actually did care for me. He wanted me to. He saw something in me. Um, you know, he, he wanted me to do well. He wanted me to, um, you know, fulfil my potential. I guess what he saw and what everyone else saw. That's why they. That's why they went back to me. I guess. Um, so yeah, that that was probably the. Again, it went from being rock bottom to hang on, I mean, a minute, I've got something I can I can do about this now. I've got another opportunity, and again, like I said, you don't get those You don't get those very often. Yeah, and even when I didn't, when I didn't sort of receive that first round, goal, that contract, it, was, it wasn't. There it was a little bit of anger there, but I was like, far out. What am I going to? What am I going to do?" But and also, it was. A, it was. A, it was. I guess a bit of. I'm going to show you. I, I want. I'm, I'm going to earn that back. Um, and you know, yeah. To sort of pull my finger out, um, and, and really have a crack as well. But then, yeah, that second conversation he had was excellent. So, um, yeah, it's sort of, I guess. from there, the rest is history. It sort of, you know, pulled me in the line. And um, as I said, I made I made a lot better decisions, uh, trained a lot harder, looked after myself a lot more.
0: I want to explore this this experience of losing a parent. And for anyone listening out there that has lost a parent, I personally haven't had to go through that yet. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things you hope you never will, but, you know, death's and inevitability. Right. What impact yeah. did your mum have when she was alive? Did she have on you?
1: Um, huge, because ever since I bar playing cricket overseas, she very rarely, she was virtually at every game of cricket I played um, or interstate every now and then. They didn't travel a lot back then. Um, you know, from the day that um, I started playing sport, it was either my mum or my dad or both. Usually both would take me to uh, cricket. I played a lot of soccer when I was young. Um, But they were there all the time, and and the club I grew up at uh, in Adelaide, um, Northern, well, Salisbury at the time, Salisbury District District Reading Club, now Northern Districts. You know, I was was a part of that club since I was 12, and and mum and dad, you know, when we sort of joined it, it was a very family orientated club. Um, Great seniors, well, great um, junior system, but also a great senior club as well. we all just sort of, it was like a big family, it became a big family to us um, quite quickly and, and we would go back to the club every Saturday night or every Sunday afternoon if we were playing Sundays and it just became a huge family club social. For her uh, and my dad who's still sort of involved in that club back at home but it, it was, you know, everyone everyone um, got to know her, she didn't mind a red wine, uh, she loved <laughs> she loved being a bit of, a, I guess, the centre of attention at times, she helped, you know, she, she'd speak to everyone at the club and so you know, having her around was was a big thing. It was, um, it, you know, cricket without mum for a while there was was pointless, I guess. And um, it just was it was a, it was a huge um, yeah, huge loss for obviously the whole family, but for me, not knowing and uh, looking over when I did, I, I managed. There's a bit of a story behind that, but I managed to play the game. She died midweek, and and I played. I wasn't going, so I had no interest in playing. But I ended up playing the week after. Um, being pushed from my, my older brother and, and my dad and a few other family members, and I just went out and didn't didn't really, yeah. I, I obviously, I had, to, I had to. I was still part of a team with with my with my, um, with my, with my team there, my premier cricket team, and um, didn't really, yeah, didn't have the motivation to play. But they got me through as well. I ended up taking fourteen wickets in the game, <laughs> which was quite amazing. <laughs> it was quite amazing uh, how it all wow. worked out. But um, you know, looking over and. And seeing virtually my whole family, because they're all from Adelaide, a lot of them from Adelaide, and my brother was—he lives in Sydney, but he obviously was down there and, and seeing everyone there supporting, or um, well, me, but also the family. Uh, and, and just it was an away game, but a lot of sort of ex- guys, the older guys that probably watch cricket but just go to home games, they were all there as well. It was just a great support for the club as well, for, for our family. So, yeah, it was a huge loss. It was a big hole um, not having And Obviously, you know, not one after that, I think it was a year after that, a year and a half I moved. I moved away to Queensland. And uh, so I left my dad. And my brother, as I said, was... My brother at the time was here, actually. He was living here. That was part of the reason I moved. And then he moved back not one after I moved here. But, um, yeah, my dad, I guess it was easy for him to come and visit us in Queensland. He's done that. He lives he virtually he doesn't live with us, but he spends a lot of time with us up, up to this day. So... It's um, yeah, it was huge mum not seeing uh, any of my sort of international career uh was was disappointing again, but I've always had a sort of sitting on my shoulder, I guess, so it was uh yeah, it was a huge loss.
0: <laughs> um mm. th- I thank you for sharing that, Ryan it's yeah, uh, that it's really powerful and i and I think with the benefit of hindsight now, and I'll come back to this in a second, just that yeah. that comment regarding playing. You know, just a week or so later, yeah. The the commitment that you make as a sportsman, or especially to a cricketer, the impact of not playing and contributing would probably make you feel worse than than not playing.
1: Yeah, that'd be a fair assumption. Yeah, and absolutely, yeah. And and it's an old cliche, and you hear it a lot. Um, what what would mum what if mum would see what what you'd be doing? And, and you know, I'd be playing. And that was what my brother and my dad kept saying, like as if you know. She she her life was cricket, um, and her family and and you know she's here she's she's still alive. You're playing you're playing this game on the weekend and I it took me you know as I said they pushed me a lot to do that to play and I couldn't see it that way at the time and then I did it and then sat down the end of it and had a beer and I'm I'm glad they did because I would have I don't know what I would have done that weekend I, I probably wouldn't have gone the cricket who knows I might have been pissed for two days or three days and and that's not not the right thing to do I guess and um. So to to have strong such good family, strong family, good mates, really strong mates, really, and that, that that pushed me to do that. And and it's and it's again, as I said, I repeat myself, but it's the old cliche that what would you be doing if they were alive? And and um you know and, and doing something that Mum loved, what watching me do that that was you know, and my brother and said my, my dad and my mates kept saying that uh, I did it, um, and you no. Know, you know doing what I did that day I guess you know straight away made me think that she's going to be very proud, it would have been very proud of um, of seeing what I did
0: That's really great and, and mm. what I was going to just circle back to with the benefit of hindsight now what are some of the, the techniques and the, the tools that you've used to get over that grief in the years since that you might be able to share with people that might be going through something similar right now
1: Oh far out um it's a really good question because I haven't. <laughs> looking back at it now, it was just it was um, it was cricket. It was sport. Um, it was you know just wanting to. I guess that um, I'd started to play pretty good cricket then. Uh, you know, I was starting to hit the um, see the light. I guess as I said before, put you know, change my lifestyle. Probably you know two years before that, I think it was, or a year and a half before that, and I used that as huge motivation. Um, you know, obviously, the the thought of, and I had no idea even when I moved, well, that I was going to move um, before, before she was alive, or, or um, you know, or, or the journey. I guess I was about to, to embark on. Not one, you know, only as I said, probably was it two and a half years after she died. Uh, before, yeah, after she died, that I started playing for Australia, and it was a little bit longer after that again. So I had no idea that was that was. But I used it all as motivation. I guess it was. You know, I just wanted to be proud of what I was doing, and i obviously my dad as well. My dad was with me along the way, the whole way, and um, I guess I used it as motivation more than anything. It was obviously a huge loss, huge grief. You know, it was funny because your you, you, mum used to ring me a lot, and and. They used to say, "Man, what are you ringing me for? You know, you, you rang me twenty minutes ago. You know, and and, and it's amazing what you what you do for that phone call after they're gone. You know, just want that you'd, 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 you'd have a ring in every ten minutes if she could, you know, or you could. So I sort of took that a bit on board too, and and it just yeah, it was just more the motivation and everything. And and the, yeah, I, as I said, I had some really good people around me. I guess that helped me deal with it. And we dealt with it together. It wasn't if I tucked it all away and and um. And held on to it. I had, you know, a great father and a great brother and a great extended family and, and some really good mates. So that that really helped. Like there wasn't something, there wasn't, I guess, an answer to your question, there wasn't something I could put my finger on. It was just a, a lot of different factors, I guess.
0: Uh, look, it's pretty apparent, like, a really strong support network and and something to focus your energy into yeah. super-duper important. Yeah. And yeah. a game like cricket, which involves so much dedication to the physical and the mental and the emotional and the, even really the spiritual side of things, um, especially if you really truly love the game, like, you know, safe to say we both do, right? Mm-hmm. And so from the other side of the family, from your dad, what did he instill in you that's been really valuable in your career, in life in general? Well,
1: support, well, support. He's always, as I said, they've always been at my sport and, um, one thing I guess I, I remember I always say that my dad is even to the day I was still playing Test cricket he, he always knew better than I did <laughs> he always gave me um, you know advice he didn't play a lot he played a little bit of sport when he was when he was sort of growing up but he was um, you know early days he, I'd get off the school bus and he'd he'd be there waiting in the car and drive me into the city to, to train uh, with with underage squads and. You know, he, he was there along the way. He, he was talking to a lot of coaches and, and not, again, he, he, always, well, he always proclaimed he was never the, never the professional, never the, um, never the coach, but he, he was always pushing me. He always pushed me into, to, to, to even throw me balls out the front yard or um, every time I got out a certain way, he'd always come and try and talk to me about it. And, and So he was always pushing me. He was always making sure that I was, um, you know, trying to do as, as, as best I could. Uh when I moved away from home, obviously he didn't have as much control over that because he didn't know what I was doing all the time but um you know when when he sort of got even going fast forwarding, when he got word of the way I sort of um, nearly lost the contract and again, the story I just told he was back on my case, you know he said this is a if you want it, this is what you've got to do, and he was always on me so i guess the the um the pressure but not not the pressure again when I was younger to to push me where. You know, to do well, he 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 just wanted me to be happy and, and obviously not pushing me to something I didn't want to do. Um, yeah, but making sure that you know getting me there on time, being 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 at training on time, making sure I was prepared. Um, you know, even in schoolwork which I hated. Um, you know, he tried to help me out as much as he could, and we'd come to serious arguments before. You know, get off, get home, do my homework within an hour. We were, we're having arguments about what I what I couldn't understand. I just hated hated doing school, but uh, he was always there and pushing me and, and And again, a great support, um, you know, to, again, to to get me to where I got to, I guess.
0: And uh, I've got a couple of brothers and I've certainly learned from some lessons from them and certainly taken a few Mm. findings and dished out a few (laughs) from your brother. What's been his biggest influence on your life to this point?
1: Yeah, pretty, again, it's pretty similar. My my brother's nine years older than me. So, um, you know, he, he actually left home quite young. He left home as a 16 and a half year old to move from Adelaide to Sydney to to take up an apprenticeship as an aircraft engineer. Um, so he, he moved over from there to move to Sydney to live with my mum's brother at the time who looked after him to do all his um, apprenticeships and all that and his study and that. So, it, you know, when I was a young bloke, I remember flying over and seeing when I was old enough. Um, you know, flying over and seeing him. He was, he, I don't remember a lot of cricket in Adelaide. He, I was quite young then. You know, obviously I remember going to a few games and, and, you know, getting the ball thrown to me and wanting everyone to throw me the ball, that sort of stuff. But I don't remember a lot of that with, with him. But he, he moved over to Sydney. played a little bit of lower grade cricket. But he, he's always one again. Another one he has been a great support. He's, he's a bit smarter streetwise than me. He's, he's, he's studied money and he's studied all that sort of stuff. So he's sort of been my sounding board for financial stuff. And obviously I've learned a lot along the way. But, um, you know, he was always giving me good advice, uh, investing, all that sort of stuff. But um just, again, he, he'd, watch, he'd watch every ball I played, um, but virtually bowl or even bat. And, you know, again, he'd try and give me some advice or, you know, but he was also a, 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 a great cricket lover. And he'd ask me a lot about how, um, you know, how we plan and, and, and what we do and what detail we go to. And, you know, he was very lucky to you know he's a massive fan as well so he's very lucky to meet some some great people along the way some test cricketers and he's very thankful of that but yeah he was, he's always been a great standing board and a great um, I guess was well, second father in a way yeah the way he's sort of uh, helped me through
0: and you're a happily married man with two beautiful yeah. children
1: yeah, happily married. I got a five-year-old who turned five yesterday, actually on the on twenty-sixth of May, and uh, I got a little feisty three-year-old girl who um, yeah, three three and a half, going on um, uh, seventeen. It's uh, very happily, yeah, very, very, very great kids. They're obviously uh, they're at the age now where uh, where they're understanding a lot um, and a lot of fun.
0: And you, your wife? How long have you guys been been together?
1: Oh, geez, I should have done some research on that. All we've been married now, probably. Um, well, I think it's uh, eight, seven years, eight years. Um, we got together just before I moved to, to Brisbane. Um, well, we I moved to Brisbane. And she came up a bit later, so we got together about two thousand and five, I think, or six. Uh, <laughs> I'm not great with, with dates and memories, but um, yeah, we, we sort of we, we we sort of known each other. She used to, years ago dated a guy through through a, through a creek. We played a couple of years at the creek club, and we sort of met, and then we reacquainted once we were both sort of single and uh, hit it off and yeah, as I said we sort of met but then I reckon I think it was about four months or five months later I ended up moving um, the opportunity came up and I went and she came up about four months later. So um yeah it's been together ever since. So I'm um, pretty lucky to have someone to um, you know, give her I guess give her life up in Adelaide to come and move away and, and, and be together and um yeah been lucky there. So she's I've looked after her. She's been she's been a great support as well. Um she didn't she obviously didn't know mum either but um she she uh, she's a lot of people talk about, about what a great person she was and, and she you know she often says you know she'd love to have met her and 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 sort of uh, spent some time with it but uh, yeah she's been a great support through the whole time.
0: I've shared with you my partner's surname, Ryan, which is maiden, mm. which is it's <laughs> legitimately <laughs> is true. phenomenal. She's uh, <laughs> I met her in the streets of Melbourne um oh. in the middle of the day stone cold sober and yeah. we're on our second date when i found that out i was just <laughs> i'm not even religious i just gave it one of those <laughs> and i said thank you thank you god thank you <laughs> and and she knew nothing about cricket but she's become yeah. a massive massive fa- uh, fan and become a bit of a local yeah. legend down at melbourne university cricket club where i currently play yeah. she loves cricket well, does your wife love cricket
1: uh, she never loved it. Um, she loved she, – she sort of grew up with a, an SNFL background, say, so AFL. Um, obviously, the SNFL, the feeder into the, into the, um, into the AFL, and her, her old man didn't quite make that level. She had some great great mates that played at that level. but um, So she grew up with football um, down in Adelaide. So cricket wasn't a huge thing. She didn't know too much about it, but um, she, she, she soon, soon learned quite a bit about it with it being front and centre of her life, definitely. Yeah,
0: I think the importance of having someone that as a life partner that doesn't hate cricket, yeah, is yep. like is paramount. If you're a passionate cricket or passionate footballer, whatever it might be, like having someone that really dislikes the game that you love is probably a recipe for disaster, in my opinion.
1: It, would, it probably would. She wouldn't be here today. Put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah, yeah. Like cricket or sport, but. Um, Oh, well, I think, yeah, look, she 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 didn't really – I wouldn't say she got really invested in it. I didn't really mind that because I didn't really want to take uh, – well, sorry, take, take's the wrong word, but I didn't really want um, – you know, once she got into it and we sort of got together and spent some time together, I didn't want to really be spending the whole day up the field, you know, bowling 15, 20, 25 overs and then coming home and talking about it necessarily. So she was always great like that. She never – she'd ask a bit about it and I think she'd, she'd pick up pretty quickly or not, pretty quickly whether or not I I'd, I'd want to talk about it or – and I would talk about it and she was fine. So she, but she learned a lot along the way. And also, I think what surprised her most, and not just about me, but about the, the way the team, the amount of time you have to spend as a team, the amount of work you have to do, um, you know, being a bowler and being a, a bloke who was always very sore, the amount of physio and, and damage you did to your body, you know, that was, and again, that's not me, that's everyone in general, uh, being a bowler, I think. but. She caught on pretty quickly that um, yeah, it's not just to go out on a Saturday afternoon and, and have a run around and hit and giggle. It's it's um, there's a lot of work that has to go into it. And, and she um, yeah, she had a lot of respect for well for what I did, but for what everyone did. On, you know, especially when on tour, they they, they live with us on tour. They you know we you know they were very lucky to come on tour. Um, to be honest, but um you know they she her and a lot of the girls uh, soon had a, a pretty good appreciation for what we were doing and how hard it was.
0: <clears> That's <throat> uh, really great. And, and it reminds me of a time uh, I captained the fourth 11 down at Melbourne Uni. Yeah. We were playing a game down in Casey Fields, down in Cranbourne, uh, a year ago. And it was Anna and I have been together for a year and a half now. So it was a relatively fresh part of the relationship and, you know, still so loved up that she offered to drive the 60 kilometres from her house to oh, watch me wow. play. <laughs> and, and who was I to say no, right? And, yeah. and as skipper, I normally feel it mid off. Or, you know, get under the lid. She came and she's stunningly beautiful. She's three-quarter Russian and one-quarter Japanese, right? <laughs> it, beautiful yeah. inside and out. But she came and she was standing down at fine leg. And the game was a dead rubber <laughs> at that point. So I I made the brave decision to go and put myself down that, next to her and between overs gave her a passion in front of all the – Casey's South oh, yeah. boys, and they still give me shit about it. The last game we played not yeah. that long ago. Rightly so. Rightly so. I think yeah. one of them even was going to dress up as me as the fancy dress um, end of season thing. That they,
1: Right, yeah. That, I was going to say, anyway. it's a game move. Game move Put up in front of your wife partner and even a uh, little peck on
0: the, on the cheek. It's game. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big flex. It was a big flex. Yeah. I'd like you to um, do me a favour, Ryan, and just – I want you to close your eyes for a second and hmm. – I want you to um, transport yourself back to the year 2014 in Cape Town, and oh yeah, it's the yeah. third test. Yeah, and I want you to talk me through in every intricate detail that you can f- remember what happened.
1: So this is easy because I've been taught. I've spoken about this yesterday with Munguaja <laughs> on another podcast, but. Um, 2014, that, that tour was huge because, um, well, South Africa, it's always a big tour. Um, we'd also um, we'd won, we won the Ashes 5-0 um, before that. And so it was a huge summer and we were on such a high and heading over to South Africa, We again, I think they were number one in the world at the time. I think. Um, so it was going to be a huge tour um, going on. I think previously we... We'd had a two, te- two, mat- 2 match tour that we that we drew, um, and they and they pumped us. in, this, in the I think it was the first test we got bowled it for forty one. So it was going to be a a, a huge a huge tour. So we'd, we'd um, Mitch Johnson was flying. He was bowling quick. So we, we got to Centurion. we were pretty happy. Wicket was a bit spicy. We got through that. That was that was um, I think we got that through through four days. Um, then we moved on to Port Elizabeth, which um, we haven't had. A, Australia haven't played very well. At. I think South Africa; they 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 barely lost, and they play very good cricket there. Um, and I, I that was probably the first time I hadn't I, I hadn't bowled that well, um, even in Centurion, I, I didn't bowl that well. And going to Port Elizabeth, I did a little bit of work with Craig McDermott going in, um, just to, just a little bit of extra work, um, but. I didn't bowl that well. I, I, well, I, I, it wasn't that as bad as I thought. It was just me being a bit, um, uh, you know, worrying about too much. It was probably the first time I think I had I'd had negative thoughts uh, in playing for Australia. I thought I actually thought that this could be it. This could be the this could be the finish because uh, my knee was a bit sore. You um, know, that was that was sort of bothering. But I, you know, that wasn't going to be an excuse because I played with it for my virtually my whole Test career. Um, you know, I was still bowling decent pace. I was still hitting consistent length, but it wasn't oh, – sorry, um, I wasn't hitting a, as consistent length as I had in the past. So I got pumped a bit in, in Port Elizabeth, and, and I remember standing at the back end of that game thinking, far out what – you know, I, I thought I was going to be dropped for the next test. Um, I thought this, if, if that's the case, and this could be my last – you know, this could be it. And I never had thoughts like that when I was playing for Australia. I always thought that if I'm not bowling, well enough – you know, someone else is going to replace me because they are, and that's it. That's that's the way. That's the way it goes. And because we'd had success, I still wanted that. I wanted. I had the drive to do well and, and wanted to wanted to keep going. But so I ended up, um, you know, again sitting down with Craig McDermott. We had our psychologist, Michael Lloyd, who still works with the team on tour. Some really good chats, and it was just. I, I bowled. Um, usually, the preparation for a test match you start on a Thursday normally, or depends where you were, where you are. Wednesday's usually off. You have a good bowl Monday, Tuesday, get yourself right. Well, I went back on the Wednesday before and, and bowled, I reckon, six or seven overs just, and, and Craig McDermott to him. was at the top of my mark. You know, I sort of said him, what do you reckon? He said, mate, just keep bowling. Just keep bowling. You're going all right. You're, feeling, you're looking good. You anyway, know, I finished my time there and, again, very unusual to bowl uh, the day before the game. And he pulled me over and said, mate, you're a dickhead. I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? Because I had a pretty good relationship. And he said, mate, you're a dickhead. I said, what are you, you making a we mean, Because, <laughs> mate, you're flying. You're going good. You just, you, you know, you come across Hash and Amala and uh, AB, and they battered. They, you know, they battered really well. And they said, mate, you just come up. You said you just had an off day, but you're not going that bad. I was like, well, I don't know. I felt like, you know, anyway. Um, yeah, going into that, I obviously got picked, and and going into that um, Cape Town Test, um, you know, won all again. So it was a huge Test match. Um, uh yeah, we 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 obviously we played pretty well and we um I think uh Warner got hundred I think Warner got a hundred, Clark might have got a hundred, I think, or I might have been mixing up with the one before, but we had South Africa where we wanted them. Long story short, we had South Africa where we wanted them. Um you know, we had two basically a day and three quarters to bowl them out or day and a half to bowl them out. We knew that they were gonna to be tough because of what they did in Adelaide a couple of years before where they batted and battered and um yeah so we, we again fast forwarding a little bit again we we, we started off only out of three for 15 and we're thinking here we go this is we're going to be you know on the on the cans by about five o'clock today we're going to have a good time here and, and really enjoy it again and top off a great summer in australia and, and obviously two over here and then they just kept going and going and going so it, it was it was unbelievable I'd, you know to get to again fast forwarding i don't know, bore you with all the details but um you know, we got to the opportunity at the back. I got the opportunity at the back end to sort of come in and, I guess, um, parachute in and take the last couple of wickets. But the, the team had bowled so well, and the bowls were, were absolutely were out on our feet. We were just absolutely cooked. Um, again, as I said my knee was done. I was, I knew um, probably I tweaked a little bit during the during that test match. So I knew at the end of it that when I got home, I was having surgery to fix, to, to hopefully fix it up a bit. And I sort of I'd pick up a bit of a, a hip flexor strain as well. And um, so it was all, and the bowl, we, we bowled, you know, I think we bowled 30 plus overs each, so we were all cooked. And then coming to that last five overs or six overs, we were just, Michael and the bowls, so we got together, we had a chat, and we knew that we had to win this game because if it was, if they had a, held out again, it was just like a loss. Um, so we, yeah, we, we got to the, the back end and I knew everyone was cooked. Mitch was, was he bowled his ass off, so he was bowling. You know, he wasn't bowling 150 thunderbolts. James Pattinson, had a, I think he had, he had a stress fracture, so he was sore. And, and um, you know that I knew that was so. so and, and by this time, Michael had moved me. Michael Clark had moved me to gully, so I didn't have to run in the field to try and save my legs, right? So, I'm walking between overs. I know the time's coming that he's going to come to me. He's going to come. I know he's coming to me soon. I'm thinking. I really want this opportunity, but, geez, I'm sore. Am I going to, how am I going to get up for it? And Anyway, was, after this one over, I sort of took off from Gully and I saw him coming my way and he ran up to me. He called out to me and said, boy, come over here. And he said, you know, how are you going? And I said, well, I'm sore. <laughs> I'm a bit sore, mate. I said, what do you need? And he sort of said, well, we need two wickets. And I said, yeah, I, I agree with that. And he said, it's either you're going to get them or I'm going to have a bowl and get them. And I said, "Well, no disrespect to you, mate, but you're not bowl, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna bowl. I'm not, I'm not gonna in a situation like that as the main one of the main bowlers say, no, mate, you bowl.' <laughs> um, so he, he uh, yeah, threw me the ball, and obviously he said the rest is history, it wasn't a, I sort of had no over to think about what I had to do, um, but looking back at it now, and, and taking those last, it was a, it was one of those, you know, as, as a kid moment, you dream. Uh, sorry, as a as a as a kid you dream about um there's a potential um everyone, you know, the world's on you, um, you know, and you an opportunity to win a, a game of cricket for your country and, and your team that um that have worked so hard to be in this position. And as I said it, it um yes I was sore but if it's amazing when you're in that situation, in a in a tough situation like that you just find something and that was and I did. And um we had the lucky we had the, the ball moving around a bit as well, which um which, which helped and to this day I still don't know how the ball that I bolted Dale straight hit the stumps because it was sort of going at fourth or fifth stump and it obviously hit a footmark but it wasn't until I heard well Brad Haddon actually went up first and I didn't know what for then I sort of saw the bail but it hit the footmark and sort of went straight to the stumps and then um, yeah the, the morning walker one I, I, well we had a great plan to him anyway to sort of I think I put one away and then Two back in, and the second one hit the stump. So uh, I don't mean to waffle on a bit, but it's a, it was a it was a great moment. It was a great thing. Um, as I said, we had such a good period there uh, against England, and, and to win over there was was amazing.
0: It's not waffling; it's <laughs> extraordinary, and you've you've been able to transport me to a moment. And I'm from New Zealand originally, Ryan, and yes. I yes. think that that bowling and that that victory that Australia got over South Africa, won the hearts and the minds of uh, certainly a lot of the New Zealand fans, mm. <laughs> you know, for a team that's largely hated. But yeah. um, do you do you have capacity to remember any of the thoughts that are going through your mind when they're nine down, when you're at the top of the mark? W- what are you thinking? Do you know exactly what's going on up
1: here? Um, I'm just thinking I've got to get this wicket. But it was – um. As I said, we had um, we we'd had really good plans to, to, to their tail, obviously, and but you know, I mean, they they stonewalled us for a long time with uh, Philander and Stain. But I knew Mornay could bat, and we knew Mornay could bat, but we knew also with it just it was reversing, so it's always hard, um, or as a tailender um, to come in when the ball's reversing. When it's swinging, you know, if it's scum barrel straight, it's not not as bad. But so we knew that as well. I went, you know, and this this famous pictures of Darren Lehman saying go around the wicket, go around the wicket. And and we had that we had that planned anyway. So I went up the pub straight away, Mark Clark straight away and said, I'm going around the wicket. Um I'm gonna bring him here, I'm gonna try and set him up I might go away and then come in. And so my mindset is you want this so hard, but you've got to you got to calm down, you have gotta sort of calm yourself down because if running and um I think Mitch Mitch and, and James made and James Patton's made and said it to me. Just take a breath. Let's, just, let's go back to as if you're bowling to a batter. You know, don't try and blast it out. Don't run in and try and you know, bowl too fast. Get the ball in the right spot and it'll take care of itself. So in those, you've got to have those sort of, you've got to bring, you know, you has just got to calm yourself down because at the, at the time you're thinking, you know, you've got to get the right feel you've got you've got the coach saying you've got to come around the wicket, you want to win the game, you want this, you want that, and everyone's riding on it, you know. So you've just got to be able to calm, calm yourself down. And I did that... I guess lucky enough, again, I, I, I was thirty. Was I then thirty four? So played a fair bit of cricket. I played a few tests by then as well. So you're, you're not, you know, you're in that moment where you can just take your time um, and gather yourself at the top your up.
0: Do you remember how much pain you were in physically?
1: Yeah, absolutely, I, I do. Because um, as I said, my hip flexor had gone. I'd had a few. Panine Forts by then uh, to try and numb the pain. Obviously, all legal, above board. It's, um, you're allowed to take those, I guess, in that situation when you're when you're a bit sore. But um, right, yeah, I do. I remember um, that was another thing I, I, I learned my knee is that some starting off was sometimes hard. Um, you know, getting uh, getting into my run up was always some, was sometimes hard. So what what I sort of taught myself to do was. I'd, I'd go a bit longer back in my run-up to try and get a bit more momentum to the speed I needed to be at to hit my mark. And I'd always have to hit the same mark. And I'd always did hit the same mark. But, you know, normally I'd have, I think it was 16, 2, 18, 4, 2 marks. I'd start probably a metre behind the back mark and go. Whereas if I was sore and really struggling, I'd go a bit longer and I'd just get that. Bit of a run up, and especially on that sort of day again with my hip flexor, I, I just had to go a bit longer again. So I was probably running in for about 25 meters or 23 meters or whatever it was. But I got myself going, and and um, again, with my knee the way it was, being my back knee, I sort of could control how how long or or how hard I, I sat my back leg. So if it had been my front leg, I would have I wouldn't even got through, I wouldn't even played test cricket probably. But because of my back leg, I could sort of get the jump right and then. And you know still I don't know how I did it to this day to be honest but I found a way just to land on it as long as I could if it was sore I'd get on it and get off it but still have to be able to brace to get over my front knee to get that pace it was it's quite it's complicated but I just found a way to do it and it depended on on, on what day it was and how sore it was and again with that little hip flexor problem I had as well it was hard to get my back leg and drive through so I was using a lot of my shoulder and You know, those are the things you just have to, I just had to work with and deal with and and work out. Um, If I didn't, then I wouldn't have followed the way I probably did. I would have.
0: Was that the same knee that uh, Dr. Bruckner was extracting fluid from?
1: That might've been the one. (laughs) He might've, um, he might've done that a few times. Um, Over the the period of time he was there, well, he was there most of the time I was there. And, um, you know, there were days where it was quite funny. There were days where I'd, 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 Finish the day, and obviously I'll be straight on the ice in the bus, and uh, have to do it—you know—virtually all night. But there were days where it just—it just blew up, like it was massive, and I couldn't literally walk on it. And it actually came a bit of a novelty um, with the team, so everyone would sort of go off and have dinner with their partner or, or whatever it was, and then boy 8.30, um, we're all going to the team room. Rhino's sitting there icing, but he's going to have fluid taken out of his neck, and those who could watch it would. <laughs> those who couldn't, um, <laughs> they sort of had to, they had to duck out the room. But it was, um, yeah, it was quite funny, and uh, it was amazing how it just relieved, relieved the pressure. Um, it was, it was. Um, you know, it had to be done, and, and you know, there, there were times where would probably get 10 mil out. There were times he might have got 40 mil out, um, 50 mil, and, um, so, but once it, once it sort of did that, yeah, it was, it was, it was so, you know, and I managed to be able to get up the next day and do it. But again, and a lot of people say to me, how, how do you put yourself through that? Why do you want to, why you, well, I want to play, I want to play cricket for Australia. Um, without, without, um, without doing that, I wouldn't have done it. So, and, and very lucky to have, obviously, Dr. Peter Brookman there, uh, Alex Kintouris, um, all through that, and, um, and other physios, the whole medical staff in Australia were just were just amazing. They bent over backwards for me to to get me fit or to, to do what I had to do to get my legs strong and my body strong. So I had an amazing support network uh, around me. Without them, there's no way I would have got through three or that that long that far.
0: Yeah, it's a reoccurring theme: this support network work and how important it really is. Just in life in general, you know, they they talk about uh, self-made people. Um, should never really say I did this all myself because there's always a, a mm. line of people that have helped you sort of get to that point. In my own experience, yeah. I'm I'm reaching out for as many uh for as much help as I can. And it's not mm. not because I'm I want to show weakness, it's because I want to remain strong. You know, like that's the whole yeah. point of this stuff. Yeah. There was a period, I think a year or so later, when you're in England. Yeah. When it all finished be able to talk us through that that period, and
1: Yep, absolutely. It's um, it still feels like it was yesterday. Um, I had come back again from a, I think I had a clean out. I, I do remember it. I don't remember so much before. I remember exactly what I did. But so I think I had a bit of clean out again um, with my knee, and then I was missing the well leading into the England tour in 2015. We had West Indies tour. But Carter, like the birth of Carter, my son, my son. I, I was, I was, I hang, I stayed back to, um, to, to, uh, to, to be with Sheree, and um, you know, it wasn't as if it was in state. West Indies is a fair flight. It was about, about twenty five hours to get there, or whatever it is. So it wasn't a place I could quickly get back back from. So I ended up staying uh, here. But at the time, I, I must admit, at the time, all I wanted to do was play. I was over the training. I, I, I trained so much and. I was sick of the. I was getting sick of the niggles and the, and the bit of the pain I was going through, but um, I also knew that I wanted to get through to England and potentially back. So a bit of a contradiction there, but I wanted to get back after that as well. So when um, I'll, I'll go through it in a minute, but so I had Pat Howard came to me, who was high performance manager at the time, and sort of said, um, obviously, mate, no, no brainy, not going to the West Indies because of, of the birth of your first son and or first child, and. But he said, what What do you need? Because he sort of, I think he'd heard whispers about, um, my daughter's just coming in now. Hop out, baby, I'm just on the phone. Um, he, he sort of heard whispers about, um, you know, about certain, um, you know, I was shrugging a bit. And um, so he, he sort of said to me, what do you need? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to need um, some help with training. I'm going to need someone to virtually be in the gym with me the whole time. He said, right, done so um, I had this s the head s and at Cricket Australia uh, obviously there was one on the road who was a very good mate of mine but um, the s became a very good mate of mine at Cricket Australia just hang on one second
0: can you? Yeah, right.
1: I'm, just, I'm trying to talk and I'm losing concentration
0: you can kiss a good yeah. night if you like
1: yeah I've already done that <coughs> she's coming out back <laughs> out of bed I was just lose my chain of thought thinking what she was going to do um, so he, Pat Howard sat me down he's, he's um, what do you want I need a trainer he said perfect so We'd had sort of the head S&C who was going to be in there and then the other, sort of another s who was sort of our second uh, there. He, he said, right, you, they're yours. So every session I did, um, I'd have mainly Andrew Weller, his name. I'm actually playing golf with him tomorrow, but he, he was there. And then he sort of, his other, um, David Bailey, who I think is at the Gold Coast Football Club now. He was with the women's team for a long time. They were there every time. Every time I trained, they were there and they just looked after me and They they ran me into the ground and... Um, in a good way, and just there were times where I, you know, they they knew me well enough; they they sensed that I was struggling a bit with it. So, you know, it was almost to the extent where they'd ring me in the morning, and say, "How are you going?" I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. They were going to drive and literally drag me to to the gym, which they didn't have to because I was always going. Because I knew that if I hadn't have done what I had to do there, I wouldn't have got through any any more cricket. Because you know, if I had stopped. Um, I don't reckon I stopped doing something for the last probably two and a half years because I knew if I had stopped, my body would have shut down and my knee would have been cooked. So, so they got me there, and I got—I was the fittest I've ever been. My whole my whole crew, I was—I was that fit. I had in the last couple of um, weeks, I had my brother and my nephew, who's not—he who was uh, 18 at the time, coming actually train and do the last two sessions with me, and they. Walked away just again with another appreciation of how hard that I was going, but they obviously how hard they put me through. So um, did that. I was there. We had Carter, great. And I and I was there for I was here for a week and then left. When well, obviously left and, and flew over and going um, going over there, I felt great. I was like I'm I'm hundred percent ready, hundred and ten percent ready for this. And um, as I said earlier, I was sort of in the back of my mind, I was just going to see how I was going over there and if you know opportunity. That, well, if I was going really well, I, I, you know, when we sort of talking about retirement, I probably would have liked to have pushed it out. I think New Zealand would touring in Australia after that, so potentially come home and finish at home. If it wasn't quite going well, then that might have been probably the best time to, to, to maybe do it. And so I sort of had a bit of a thought about that. Um, so, yeah, got, got over there. We, we, we had some training sessions. Then came to um, – we played our first – Canterbury against Kent. It was our first SEAL game. I obviously missed um, that tour of the West Indies, but the guys played pretty well. And, and I was probably competing more with Josh Hazelwood, to be honest, and he was bowling the house down. So, And again, I, I never really worried about selection too much, but I wanted to play. I, I knew the work I put in, I wanted to play. So uh, I never ever wanted him not to, to bowl well at training, but I was always just sort of peeking sideways to see how it was going. And he, he was going. He he bowled the house down. He was going so well. But we got into this game, and I reckon I'd bowled um, 10, 11 overs. And they were probably the worst overs I reckon I bowled. I was just couldn't get my rhythm. I couldn't get where I'd put the ball. Um, I was getting whacked, and then I reckon it was about my tenth, eleventh, or twelfth over. I, I, I bowled this ball, and I felt a little click in my knee, and I thought that's um, that's that's a bit that's a bit different than. than cause I had a lot of clicks and a lot of clunks in my knee, and uh, and that was a little bit different. And um, so I'd finished, uh, I finished I finished the over bowled another over and it was a bit, I was a bit sore. So I went off sort of physio, By this time, I think it was about 13 overs and did all the tests and it couldn't sort of get the pain that I was getting. So he said, Oh, look, it's, it's probably just a bit of the fragments that's moved or something that's, uh, that's floating around or whatever it is. So, so I went back out and it was running around and it was a bit sore and I'm trying to run different ways to not get it sore. And, um, you know, I think Michael came to me and said, are you right to go tomorrow? I said, yeah, I've got it. Cause I've, and they have to bowl and um, I was in pain but it was the best five overs I'd bowled the whole game and I was just all of a sudden I, I got everything back my pace the ball was moving hitting the right areas, got a couple of wickets um, so I thought well it's sore but um, I can get through this and so the next we had three days between did all the physio ice and it still was, was really really painful and um, I, the next, the last tour game was at Essex, so we went there in the morning. I had to go early to try and prove um, that I was fit. Bowled about six balls and couldn't, could not, couldn't stand up. So, yeah, long story short. Again, I, I, that afternoon, I got the train to London, went and saw a specialist, um, got a got a scan, um, and then yeah, the story began. The story goes on. I, I, I came back the next day. Uh, they were playing uh, against Essex and. I was a bit of a pest, as I said before, a bit of a bully gate. If I want to, want to resolve something or I need to know something, I want to know now. And um, Essex is quite a, it's a tiny change room. So because we had, it's obviously a touring squad. So we had a big touring squad. They gave us like one of their, virtually their offices that they cleaned up for us. So it was, it was a short walk up from, from where we were sitting on the fence doing the 12th man duty. So I was going up up and down for every, every 10 minutes to Alex and saying, Alex, have you got the results? Have you got the results? And He was like, no, no, I haven't, I haven't, I'll let you know, I'll let you know, and I kept doing it. He said, Rhino, just get back on the boundary and shut up, I'll let you know, basically. (laughs) And and he wasn't the only one, there was a few of them around as well. Anyway, I reckon I gave it an half an hour, 45 minutes, and I went back up and I could see from the distance there was something on the screen, it was a a scan on the screen. And I sort of wandered over and I said, oh, is that it? And he goes, yep, it is. And I said, what's happening? He goes, just give me a minute, I'm I'm just about done and done. And I sort of looked at it, and I, 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 I well, I'm not a, I'm not an expert at reading x- X-rays, I should be, or MRI scans, but I could see something was a little bit different. I could just see a little line or whatever it was. And, um, he said, "Just go go down, you know, I'll be there in a minute." Anyway, so he um, it was only about five minutes. and He came down with uh, the team manager, the coach, um, the S and C, took me into this little area. It was quite uh, private, and um, he said, "Right, this is what's happened." Uh, basically, I broke the top of my leg because um, I had no cartilage, um, which was the problem area. Uh, the bone sort of uh, calcified, I guess, or eroded, and and, and um, basically just split. It was almost like it was brittle and just sort of split down across my shin. So I said, "Oh right, that's um, that's what I like. now that, that that explains the pain. There's a bit of a crack there. What what you know? What can we do about it?" He said, so, "Well." And he was pretty honest, not not a lot. <laughs> we can't really do much now. I said he said, I said, what about is that the tour done for you now? He said, oh, for me. I said, he said, Well, it's gonna be tough. Um to I said, can we tape it? Can we take pressure off it? I can manage it, you know, like I have before. He said, No, that's not gonna work. And then um, I said, Well, what is David Young, who's in Melbourne, who's who's um there was a gen- he's a genius and, and, and look and did a lot of my, all my knee stuff since I had dramas with it, what does he think? And he said, Well, I've and him, he's on. Um, I think the manager or someone was ringing him. So, David was a, a guy. Doctor Young was a guy that um, had done everything he could. There were a couple of times where I thought I was done. He did everything he could because he knew um, sports. Uh, sports or sportsmen have long uh, sorry short lives potentially. Not all. He knew where I was and what I'd done and knew a bit of my history and he did everything he could to keep me on the field. So Alex got my, got my phone. He sent in the scan. He was talking through it. Gave me the phone. I said to, to, to Dr. Young, I said, um, he said, hey, How are you going? I said, Well, not great, to be honest, mate. I'm, I'm a little bit sore, um, but I need some good news. And, and um, I said, what, what can you tell me? He said, Well, this is what you've done. Uh, this is what I can do to fix it. Um, basically, have a bone graft from your hip, pack it in. Um, and I said, Does that mean, what, what does that mean, playing wise? He said, Well, look, you, you, to be honest with you, um, you, you're probably done. And that was right there and then was, Well, is that fine? Is that You said, Well, look, you can you can you, you're not going to be able to make this series, you, you're done here, or you have to come home, I'm gonna to have to work on it. But with the cartilage that's not there, you're just going to keep banging and banging away, and it's going to eventually happen again. So I thought, Okay, well, then if, if he's saying that, um, and and I got off the phone, obviously spoke to Alex, and he said, oh, I think that's the best thing, you know, and you're going to keep doing it. Um, you, you, you go on any, you virtually you, you you saw anyway. I was to be honest, I was taking. It wasn't until Mitchell Johnson came to my room that night, once we all finished and got home, and that I was taking a lot of Voltaren um, and pain fought to, to actually get on the field, which is not healthy. Um, that it made me realise that you know what, this is it. This is a, this is a, this is a, this is time to you know to um, to, to hang him up, I guess. And it wasn't it, as I said. I had a feeling it was it was coming. I was always sort of thought I'd be prepared for it So I knew I. was... I was on thin ice for for a couple of years, to be honest. But yeah. after the went after the training I'd done, and the, you know I, I got the, the strongest I'd been, the lightest I'd been. Um, that wasn't the way it was supposed to go, and, and, and that was uh, that was probably the hardest pill to swallow. And as I said earlier, I, I was I, I couldn't have done that again. I couldn't have trained the way I did. I was done, and to have, to think that I have to go back and do all that again. Um, and and that thought right there again is another another one that, that 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 indicates that no I can't I'm ready to go I'm ready to give it away now so um, yeah it was it was it was shattering to be fair and, and and Chris Rogers tells a funny story every time he goes and does a speech he still thinks I'm, I'm I haven't retired because it came to the time when all the boys came into that little room and psyched myself up my big uh, S&C mate was giving me a big pat on the back you're going come on you're gonna get through this yeah I'm good I'm good. As soon as Darren said, "Oh, we've got some bad news. Now we've got this and this," and he said, "Right, do, do you want to say anything?" I said, "Yeah," and that was it. I, was, I cried, <laughs> and I couldn't get the words "retirement" out. I'm retiring. Um, it was really emotional, and that's why Bucky, you know, Bucky Rogers says I haven't retired. So it was a very emotional time. It was, um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was just so disappointing to, to get so close. To you know, I played in England a few years earlier. We were so um, ready to win that series as well, and, and have a good crack at that series. Obviously, we didn't, but um, it was such a such a disappointment. So that's the whole story again, probably waffling on again.
0: Oh man, it's, it's it's brutal, and and again, you know, thank you for sharing this. This is really important because you know everyone's going through their own journey, and whether they're playing fourth grade at Melbourne University, contemplating their cricketing future, or they're playing for their country. I don't think it really diminishes the experience any less or more. And certainly, you know, you're very well known for battling through a few injuries over the course of your career, but they didn't only just stick around from a cricketing point of view. Certainly, you know, we spoke off air before uh, Mm. you and your wife had some challenges making babies at one point. Are you happy to share some of that with us?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a huge, um, well, so yeah, that was another experience in itself. I mean, it was something that you 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 um, as bad as it sounds, you grow up and you you you're scared of actually something happening. I mean, it's it's a, it's a natural thing, but um, we we just got to the stage where it just wouldn't wouldn't happen, and and it was was hard because I, you know the times where I needed to be around, I wasn't, <laughs> and then when I wasn't around, all of a sudden it wasn't working. So what, what what's going on? And then we went. We had a really good um, a great doctor up here. We went and saw and. Um, Carter was. I think we end up having about seven goes of IVF, um, which wow. uh, is huge. Yeah, so that that was um, you know obviously there was an expense that came with that. Luckily, I was earning good money, that it wasn't an issue. Which I mean, that's that's a. I, I, I hate to think of the the cost that some people have you know have to that probably haven't got that. You know, we were, I was very lucky and, and and am very lucky with what I earned through playing cricket, but it was just a horrible experience because you the stress that I was playing, um, but the stress that was going on Sheree, you know, it was she's not it's not working, it's her fault and, you know, it's dealing with all that sort of stuff. That uh it was it was quite it was quite bad. And then I'd you know, you, you have to be there you have to be around at certain times to, to when things are going, you know, with the with the fertility doctors, so you know, I'd have to leave there were team meetings that were scheduled. I'd have to, because we didn't really want it to be all public around them, so we didn't know what was going on, but it was hard because Going up to the coach and say, "Mate, I've got." <laughs> and and both Graham, Darren, Lehman was uh, was was amazing. So that was Michael Clark. The whole management were. They knew that well. Family was virtually number one. That's what we got to look after. So, he sort of pulled Darren aside and said, "Mate, I've got um, I've got a meeting at eleven o'clock. I've got to be at the fertility doctor at quarter past so he Said, "Yeah, no worries. Just go and speak to Michael." They brought the meeting forward for me a couple of times. Got a bit later, and um, yeah, so that that stress was was quite. Um, was, was quite bad. Uh, quite well. It was quite. It was just. It was confusing. I guess you know as well. Why wasn't happening? So, but eventually it did. And then we got lucky the second time. It uh, well, it was still sort of IVF, but it was. It was sort of. The, I think it was the first go. Uh, it happened quite quickly, and um, yeah, the kids are only sort of fifteen months apart. So uh, it, it's worked out quite well. But well, as I said just before, it's it's you know. What, what, fam, what some families or some people go through it's a, it must be it's, it's horrible. You know that, that it can't happen, and the cost of it. And um, you know, I really do feel for a lot of people. And I don't mean to sort of be condescending there, but it's it's um, it's a, 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 a amazing process. But what we also found out at the time, and, and Sheree was quite, uh, we both were, I guess, probably more her that not not was it embarrassing, but we didn't really want she didn't really want people finding out uh, and knowing. But what what do I learned the times I was when well, I went to the clinic a few times, how common, how, how unbelievably common it was and how many people were actually struggling and, and were going through that process. It was, it was, a, it really surprised me. And, and, um, yeah, just as I was sort of, I made the point of saying, to race, say, look, it's not you. It's not, it's just the process. It's not working. And, and we're not the only ones going through it. So it you know, it's not that bad. And, uh, yeah, I guess the rest is history. You've got two beautiful kids out of it, but it's, um, yes, it was, uh, it's great
0: now. So yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. And and I share that, you know, Anna and I, my partner we have been trying and misfiring a few times and and even gone through an ectopic and the, the associated shame with keeping it in, I reckon Mm. that feeling of being able to to become comfortable sharing it and and Mm. understanding that lots of other people are going through very similar stuff is a really liberating thing. And it's, you know certainly that feeling of like you know what why is, is there a dysfunction in me you know and, and certainly the the women take a lot of that yep. blame upon themselves which is really unfair because yep. a, a lot of the time it's just to do with a like a genetic mismatch or the chromosomal Absolutely. mismatch you know like chemical yeah yeah and any number of reasons any number of reasons could be caused and yeah. You know, we'll have fun trying and continuing. And mm. if we go down that IVF route, you know, so be it. And we're also very philosophical where if it gets to a point where it's not even possible using all of those options, then that's our opportunity to do something different. And mm. and you can build a family or whatever if you put enough effort in and want towards something. Yeah. And there might be an opportunity yeah. to take on children that don't have parents. You know, like this there's all good, great things that come out of this adversity. And, Correct. and, you know, again, I am really grateful that you're comfortable sharing this with us
1: mm.
0: because I think, you know, you are a human being, despite mm. the fact that you're this extraordinary cricketer and have forged this amazing career, you know, your injuries and these other, these other issues, you are a human being. Ryan mm. Harris is not a robot for the record. Yeah. He's not a
1: robot. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's exactly right. And and that's um again, that's something I guess a little bit of that humble, I guess. And and you know, I was taught again from my parents to always be humble and the best advice I probably received was, was was from Darren and always treat people the way you want to be treated. And, and you know, that's that those words have stuck me. Healing time when I was about nineteen, you know, or actually might have been my twenty first and my twenty first, you know. So you, you've got to be humble and again I, I I don't know too many people now Or cricketers Especially in my time I, I didn't play with many Come across too many That are, are selfish That are stuck up that are, Because um, If someone sort of Started hitting that way Or would say something Along those lines In the teams I played in They got pulled in the line Pretty quickly Or they, they went in the team So And that's You talk about it, Justin Langer looks at it now He wants good He wants really. He wants good cricketers um, But he wants very good people in, in the team as well And that's that's what he looks for now So I learned that from a young age, and I, you know, again, I, I did something that, uh, well, to me, it was a bit, was the best job in the world. I had the best job in the world to bowl the first ball in a Test match, um, but it was something that I was very lucky to be able to do, and and something I never ever dreamed, never thought I would do. Um, test cricket for me was never was was never really on the radar, I guess, because I didn't think I was good enough. But one day cricket, maybe, and in the NT Twenty cricket, but to to do what I've done, and, and you know, meet the people on the way, I met some unbelievable. You know, legends of the game um, that are just good people, and um, I've been—I've had such a, a lucky time. I wish I had gone for another 15, 20 years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that's life. Yeah. <laughs> it is life. But um, yeah, I've been very lucky to be able to do what I've done.
0: Who's the most inspirational person that you've met that the rest of our viewers and listeners would have heard of?
1: Uh, good, good, good question. That's a tough one. Off the top of the head, there's so many. Um, Uh, far out the same. I mean, there's not one I can put my finger on. I've I just had so many good people that you know. Again, I use Darren. Darren Lehman's a good mate of mine, as I said. He, he's he's given me some great advice. He even still does. Um, yeah, I, I had. I remember going. Members of school teachers that that have that have given me great advice. some you know, um, that's a real hard one. I don't know if I can answer that. You <laughs> know, I've got so many good people. You know, um, that have just. Got, I've got bits and, bits and pieces of advice along the way that it's just contributing to into what I did and where I, where, I, where, I, where I got to, I guess. And, um, yeah, it, that's a really tough question. I'd have to have a think about that and, <laughs> and, and and get back to you with that one. But that, that, <laughs> I've just been lucky to have some great some great people around, I guess, through my whole life, you know.
0: Well, look, speaking of advice, Ryan, there's a young fan of yours who's a, an up-and-coming talent at Melbourne University Cricket Club by the name of Matts. Uh, Max Hatsoglu. and yeah, yeah. I mentioned to him last yeah, night yeah. that I was speaking to you and, and um, you've been involved with some pathways and yeah. he was curious for me to ask you, what are some of the, the attributes that the selection committee are looking for for these up-and-coming talents?
1: One, as I said before, you're a good person. Uh, um, you've you got, you got good life balance. That you can actually you can do something outside. This is what I look for. <laughs> but a lot of the, what they do look for, um, you, you obviously, you, you can, well, depending on, well, I can't remember what Max is a so Max, I can't remember what he does, but I know that name. He's a keeper, yeah, a
0: batsman, he, he does everything, really. He's like, yeah, a
1: so creating opportunities, you know, scoring runs. Um, but the main one that we've, we've looked at at the time is, is, is that we try to really develop good people in our pathway and, and we've, really, we've, we've been very impressed with what states have done with that. Um, but you've obviously got to have the basic yeah, the, the basic um, skill of a keeper, you know, the movements, scoring runs, uh, basic techniques of batting. They're the attributes that we look for. Um, I guess that one thing that we've sort of been criticised for in the pathway is that we, we sort of had the CA 11 a lot. Uh, we've had that for a few years now and, and the pathway this, there's been a lot of emphasis put on and it's almost a feeling as if if you don't make it into the pathway or the state teams, you're almost being overlooked, which you're not. Um, that's a message that we, you know, we always tell. I had the CA11 teams in the national championship. So one thing that Gray Moon, knew, who a pathway manager, always you know, he says the last couple of years, these kids that are picked in the CA11 are recognised. Um, for, for for doing pretty well in the in the previous or in that championship that they get picked from, but this is not an Australian team, and this is not a you know a team that um, if you're in this team you haven't made it you know and 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 I, I want to get that message out as well. I can't stress enough if you don't make it under H team don't don't worry. It's not uh, it's obviously nice to be recognised, but don't don't stress because uh, that that part of the journey is is a very small um, well you know. I guess the ultimate for the for the pathways is under nineteen World Cup, which I've been I've been lucky enough to, to be, be at to uh, two of them. But again, not everyone that goes to that World Cup is going to go and play state cricket or go and play for Australia. So, um, you know, that's that's one message I, I do I would like to get out. Don't it's not the be on end all because you, you're going to from under nineteen level, you're going to go into grade cricket and premier cricket, and that's where you're going to learn all your hopefully learn a lot of your skills and crafts anyway. Um, so, but yeah, look. It, we just think we really want good people. We want guys with with really good attributes of of um, you know um, showing that they can. Well, he's a keeper, so again showing good movement, um, catching the ball, um, working hard, you know all that sort of stuff. So we and again I've, I've been lucky enough to sort of be on that on that on that side of the fence and looking at that over the last couple of years.
0: Well, there you go, Max. You heard it straight from the <laughs> horse's mouth. And I, I'd like to. Um, there's a great quote that Steve Martin, the actor and comedian. Uh, uses a lot and it's be so good that they can't ignore you that's right and I really love that and I think you know you're not going to you're not going to ascend to those ranks if you are a dickhead and the clubs are switching on you know no dickhead policies I know uh, JL's a big fan of that saw him talk about it a couple of years ago and uh, you know if there's an opportunity if you're down in Victoria during the regular the regular season Ryan we'd love to have you come down and observe some of the bowlers down at Melbourne University love to Parkville there yeah I'd love to it's yeah. an open, open invite. That's it. I'd love to talk to you all night, Ryan, because there's yeah. so much great stuff just come out of this, but I'll, I'll wrap this up shortly because I'm very respectful yeah. of your time. No,
1: no problem.
0: I want to finish on a moment in your life that you recognize as a real crossroad and it can be from any age a moment in your life when you realised either what your passion was, or that you knew that your life was going to work out in a way that you were you were going to be content. Do you have one of those to share?
1: Um. Well, I, well, I've probably already mentioned it. As I said, that for me, um, well, there's probably two. To be honest, there's probably that moment where I, when I was again the contract going back, and I don't, I'm not going to repeat it all, but being in that stage where if I don't, if I don't have a contract, what I'm going to do Because I don't have anything to fall back on, which will lead me to my second point a bit later on. But that right there is far out, you know. I've, I've had something that I, um, I'd earned, a contract. I'd had it there for a number of years. I'd taken advantage of it, and now it's gone. And then at first, as I said, I was angry, but it was me. You know, I, I, I wanted to blame other people, Um I had good chats about that, and and thankfully, as I said I had good people behind me. Then there was no one else to blame than me, but myself to, to to lose that opportunity. You know, I had an opportunity that only twenty people, twenty two people get a year in a state. In in, in, a, in a, I mean, how many people play cricket in Melbourne and or around the country in their in their great clubs that or premier clubs that want to have that that contract that I've got, and I've just basically treated it with content and and. So that's what I talk about. Again, I don't want to repeat everything we've gone through, but that's that's the that's the next step I took. I had again, I had some conversations and um, some realizations that well, hang on, I've got another chance. Um, albeit it was a couple of weeks later that this is I'm not I can't let this one go. And uh, again, it was it was when I did um, you know I, I, I took some advice on what I what I do I got a little bit of help with some psychologists, all that sort of stuff and. Um, which I must admit I never really believed in psychologists and psychology and all that sort of stuff um, well, I dived a lot more into it later on uh, in my career but uh, that sort of helped but I guess that was probably one and the other one is is like I mentioned before I didn't study I didn't do any and, I, and I've just come out I'm literally probably at that point again now to be honest because I've come out of it I'm not with this Cricket australia anymore we've we've sort of you know this hot uh, this crazy situation in Morgan at the moment that You know, and I'm not the only one because there's millions of people that have been uh, unfortunately lost their job. And but I'm at that stage now, and in you know I want to go into I want to go into I'm going to stay in coaching, but there's not that many jobs. (laughs) There's only limited jobs. So if I haven't got that, what do I what do I do? And and I'm exploring that right now. So I'm probably going through that second stage or second crossroad right now, uh, and what I'm going to do. How am I going to support my family? How am I going to um you know I've, as i said before i've been lucky enough i've got some good um things behind me you know with with um i guess houses and all that sort of stuff but but that's that's long term that's not you know i don't want to have to sell anything in to, to live you know so that's something that i'm going through now so that's probably the the, the second one which i haven't been anywhere sort of close to this because i've had cricket and i've had uh, a, a really good job at ca that's um that's no longer there so um as i said I'm, I'm, my goal is to stay in coaching but there's not you know coaches are there's there's lots of coaches for not many jobs so um they're probably two are, are probably good examples
0: well if it's any consolation ryan i think you'd make a fantastic professional keynote speaker and i'll be happily happy to send you some links of some um really amazing master classes that you can do mm. because yep you know, like everyone's got a story to tell, but you know, particularly when you've got a profile and you've, and you've gone through such great adversity, you know, all good things come out the other side of this. And this is my, this is my passion. Like the podcast and the coaching and the speaking are all sort of intertwined and I get an opportunity to listen, which is a, which is a new thing for me and I'm enjoying Mm. the process. And, you know, like, this is this is this new world that we live in and it's exciting. It's for me COVID nineteen, I'll hand on heart say this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. You know, I don't wish any of the will or anything on anyone. But no, no, no. it's pushed me into a an area that I that I was planning on doing a year from now and I'm like, Okay, Ditch Burn, all right, bring it on, bring it on. And it's exciting, you know, it's an opportunity and that's that's the way that I choose to live my life now. All of these things that happen and either good or bad, they're just opportunities to prepare me for the next chapter of my life. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. Ryan, I'd love to wrap this up with one final question and then we'll let you go. Can you tell our audience how to bowl an outswinger?
1: (laughs) Um, Um, We've got video. I can get a ball. Can I get a ball? Is that going to help? Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So I, I, I've, this ball's been sitting in my study. and just trying to get it on camera um, for a long Remember time. Remember, so a lot I'd of people been, will
0: be listening to this only as well. Yeah,
1: cool. So um, I'm holding, for those who are listening, I'm, I've got a brand-new uh, Kookaburra uh, turf ball, so a good t- uh, test-match ball. Um, I always, now this this varies. So this, as you said, this is the way I used to do it because there's so many different ways you could do it and, and little tweaks and positions. So my my, my sort of, you know, the peace time, I guess you, the best way to describe it, I sort of wrapped my fingers, not straight up and down, so I might have had a bit of an angle so that maybe the first slip, not too much more, maybe maybe first slip or maybe just between the keeper and first slip. That was sort of the angle I had. And I, and I would muck around with how far my fingers were. So if I'd have days where, and this is what I was talking about before, certain days you might feel different. I'd have my fingers a bit closer, I might have them a bit wider, but I'd have to go and feel. And then on the bottom... I, I tweaked with this to the day I finished. I'd have the thumb on the, I guess, the, what do they call it? The join of the ball, I don't know the name of what they call it. The, the, where the ball joins. Seam, yeah. Or, or I'd have it on the, a bit, a bit off that. So, if you can just see that there. Some days it would be there, some days it would be there. And very rare would it be on the on that side. Um, and obviously, the shiny side, which for me was always the Kookaburra side. I hated when... Uh, Normally the bowlers would decide, but if someone decided that we had to shine the the, the, the AG Thompson as we call it, um, was normally the cricket side being the shiny side, to a right hander. We're on talk, but that's always going to be on the leg side. Um, and then the obviously the idea is then is is to try and keep that seam up nice and straight. And, and it, well, if it's if it's got, if if you've executed it correctly, it's going to be had that little angle going to first slip now. Again, you, you can muck around with that each day. It Depends on the way you feel. You can go a bit steeper. You can go straighter. There were times when I tried to bowl stra- um, straight balls, and I had my wrist. And I don't. Again, I don't mean to sound arrogant at all, but my wrist was good or good enough that the ball kept swinging. So I'd have to go across seam again, which you don't want to do too much because you're going to ruin the ball. Um, quick one to end swing is it, the opposite. So you just flick that around the the, uh, the 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 shiny side on the outside again. The trick with the in-swing, I know we're talking about outies, but I, I would almost have my scene straight down the wicket. When I first started those when I was young, I always, wanted to, I always had it a bit more angled, but it swung so much that it, was, it did too much. You only need the ball to move a fraction. You don't need it to go from you know pitch, leg, hit off, because it's very hard ball to bowl. It Very rare as it do. And if it does too much, the batter's going to miss it anyway. And that's more a ball I bowl, probably the left hander. And if I was bowling the in to the right, it was just a change-up if I was trying to set him up. But the out for me was obviously my, my bread and butter. Um, you know, I, again, or, it, well, it was, but then if it wasn't swinging, I had days when it wasn't swinging, I just needed to keep the seam up because the seam's up, it's going to, the ball, it'll take care of itself. You know, there were times it was dead straight. There were times where um, it started to wobble a bit. I, I didn't necessarily try and bowl the wobble scene. I know Josh Josh Hazlewood's a big fan of that. he he learned that. Chris um, Stuart Broad in England is a massive fan of that, but he's a massive, uh, unbelievable executor of that. Um, David Saker taught that with, with Stewart and also Josh Hazelwood. So, and even Pat Cummins. So if the ball's sort of wobbling a little bit, it's still it's still up. It's going to go that way or that way. Uh, and that's – that's a, if the more well, if you don't know what it's going to do, the batter's got no idea uh, what it's going to do, so – um, yeah, so that's the basics. It's, it's just, you know, getting your wrists. Uh, it's really hard to talk about how you're going to get your wrists. You've got to get a good good landing at the crease, good balance at the crease. Um, and if you're doing that, if you, we, always, just quick, we always talk about run-up. If you get your run-up in a good balance rhythm, good, good, good speed, you're going to put yourself in a great position where your balance, your jump will be good, your landing should be good. And hopefully, you're going through the target to the batter. Uh, that's the basic, that's what we talk about um, with fast bowling. And if you, again, if you balance to the crease, you risk hopefully up beyond the ball like that and not falling off it, um, which, yeah, some people do. But the idea keep it up nice and straight. If it's not swinging, don't worry. But if the seam's up, it's still can seem. So uh, that's the art of fast bowling, basically, in, in, in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> Thank God you retired, because that would would have to cut that off from the overseas audience. <laughs> Harris, you've been an absolute superstar guest today on the Become Your Own Superhero Show. Thank you for being so raw and authentic. It's been an absolute delight. Ryan Harris, everybody.
1: Thanks, love. It's great to, great to chat tonight.
0: Thank you. It's Laban Ditchburn and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this, if you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five day video training Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available.